Luckily, since my goal, my goal was only to stay engaged, it was still possible to nail my goal. <laughs> and so it, I was just so happy to have fun in the race. It was really, really nice to have that feeling back. Hello, everyone. Oh, we're already doing this. And welcome to the Muddy Mondays. It's been a long time. I think the last time we recorded an episode was after the Dublin World Cup. So that's, uh, I think, mid-November. November 20th-ish, yes. I believe. I think you're right. Um, so that was a long time ago. Um, why did we... Why We're did not we dead. We're not dead. We're not dead. We're still alive. Why did we stop? There's a few reasons why we stopped. One of the reasons is... Um, I guess we both felt like we were... I mean, maybe maybe start at the beginning and, and maybe take us with you from Dublin to Flamanville to Val de Sol. And maybe that'll help explain why there was no podcast. After. Yes. Okay. So uh, Dublin World Cup went actually pretty well. That's, the in my mind, the last race that I'm happy with, that I really felt like I was racing. And so we did, we did do a podcast there. Then we went to Flamanville, and I was actually feeling really good uh, heading into that race. And yeah, the race did not go well. I was super disappointed with myself. I feel like I didn't race to my full potential there. Um, so after the race, I really did not feel like recording anything or sharing anything because I was pretty devastated, I would say. I think I, like on the... From another another part of this is also these weeks like Dublin to Flamanville to Val de Sole. If you look at a map from Europe and you pinpoint these locations, you quickly realize that it's a whole lot of logistics to yeah. get to one another. So that also sometimes makes it a bit more complicated to record uh, these episodes on Monday and some of our stuff is gone in the van and we're flying. We don't have the mics. There's, there's many, many other reason, but I think all in all, just disappointment and, and logistics. logistics made it not possible to do it. Yeah. But, and also I think like we got, so last year we really enjoyed doing these Muddy Mondays episode, um, but we were doing making a lot like putting a lot of effort and taking snippets at the races and trying to involve as many other racers or as many other actors of the of cycling into these episodes so they made it it was interesting and fun for us but this year i guess the uh, truth is we we spent three alone. months together you know looking at each other in the eye and so yeah. sitting down to record these and just talk about how the race is well, we just drove 10 hours talking about how the race was exactly so, so we sometimes felt bored. just not not much to say you know we're like what do you, what do you want to say what do you want to say i've got nothing to say you nothing oh, okay. yeah so that's kind of how it goes sometimes you yeah know? we felt bored of listening to ourselves and talking about ourselves and and we just didn't didn't feel like keeping it going i guess um but we also don't like to finish things 
So it was a what have Flamanville, Flamanville. Yeah, we're okay. leaving Flamanville. We're leaving Flamanville. We went to Nice in France. Um, First time south of France. That was actually really fun. We had friends over there and um, friends from that live in Quebec. So two professional cyclists, Nick Nicolas Zukowski and Simone Boilard. So two friends of ours that we've been friends with for a long time. They're both racing professionally on the road and they live in Nice. So Nice was kind of on the way to Val de Sole. Um, so we decided to go there. And at that point, we needed, we felt like we needed to change environment. We had been in Sittard in the Netherlands for a while and the weather looked pretty crappy. So we're like, okay, let's just go to Nice between the two races instead. Instead, So we thought it would change the environment, bring back some momentum, some mojo. Um, so we did the, that. The truth is also like we're not home. So whether we're not home in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in Italy, or in yeah, France, exactly. you know, it doesn't change much. All that we have here fits in the car, and so we just, and and takes about 30 minutes to pack up. So pack up everything and go elsewhere. You know? Yeah. So and and also like we knew that we could get more training in. Yeah, Nice. Yeah, it's going to be sunny, and they were calling for the start of the very cold and all and snow and all that stuff in the Netherlands. So yeah, so we went there, and it was actually a fun week. We had some good training, um, as David said, first time riding there, and it was a really fun place to ride. The weather was nice. The company of our friends was nice. Speaking French was nice. Um, there was yeah, some the, really the, good the, food. Exactly. Yeah, they have more. I think France is maybe be a bit more proud of their food heritage and so it's easier to find good coffees and good bread and good meat and good fish and all of that so it was it was refreshing that week was refreshing yeah it really was I, my highlight was um we i remember one of the rides we did with nick one time he, he brought us to a bakery and they were making it's a typical dish from nice it's called pisaladière so it's like a It's basically a focaccia bread with some anchovies and potatoes and herbs and just really, really taste like tasty. Um, so that was a highlight of the of the Nice trip. Trip. So it was so refreshing that we got the fuck out of here because <laughs> we're recording this in Europe. But that week in Nice was so refreshing. We ended up getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. What happened? Well, after that, we we went back. We, after that, we went to Val di Sole. Um, and we did the race there, but actually before the race, I told Dave that I was ready to go home. Um, so our plan was to stay all the way until the world championships. But back then, like that was probably December 15th or something, December 8th. And just before the race in Val de Sole, I told Dave that I was not going to make it to the end if we didn't go home <laughs> i think what also a part of what you shared with me that led to that yeah. uh, moment is that we had some we had some really good discussions with nick and simon about being away from home and, and performances and what we can do for performance and how we approach performance and you realize that basically coming over here and trying to follow the world cup and race every single weekend around europe is just not how you usually you want to approach performance it's not how you see yourself perform well and sometimes being able to share with someone else that that's maybe up and coming that you're like hey this is the this is how i've had success i've had success when i can plan according plan properly uh you know be in a comfortable environment show up ready and rested excited about being here smashing two three races get going back home 
That's all the success we've had in Europe and South Africa, wherever we, we race in the world. The success we've had was like that. And, and sharing the difficulties with, with Nick and Simon about being here full time, which they also are, made you realize that actually I've never had any success. Like even, even when we came here for long, longer periods, um, we had success the first weekend and then it all just was spiraled downward from there. So, so that's what you shared with me the morning yeah. of the race. Um, I mean, I remember this conversation and I think Simone was sharing like she, she, so she's been on a professional world tour team the last two years. And she said, I don't, I feel like I'm not able to maybe dig as deep as I was when I was a junior. And then we chatted a bit about that and, and like realized that I, I guess it's easier to maybe help yourself. It's easier to help others than to help yourself maybe, or see that, that you have a better perspective. And so when she, she said that, I said, yeah, but as a junior, you had like two races that counted in the whole year. You had nationals and worlds and that was it. So you have like all this time to prepare and get excited about it. And so you when train specifically tra- for the course, exactly, watch like some build race it from up home, in your head, get excited. And then when it's time to show up at this event, you're just so pumped that you just want to unleash. Whereas now, like on her pro team, she like the last few years, and I don't want to speak for her, like things are different now. She's actually been killing it this early season, but she had been racing like every week, multiple times a week. And at some point it, it gets draining. Um, and so exactly as they've said, like when we had this conversation, we, we left this conversation and I had two realizations. First, I was like, huh, actually I'm the same, you know, like we've been racing so much that I'm not excited anymore. Like when we show up at the race, I'm, I'm hardly even nervous. I'm just, whatever, it's like another one because there's been so much. And I realized that to me, that's not what I want and that's not how I perform. Like I'm not, I don't know, like maybe some people are able to perform super well in that way and they just like do the job and I I wish it was me. But for me, like if I want to perform on the highest level, highest stage, I kind of need to like, have 100% of myself like I'm not going to perform well if I'm only 70% of myself and so yeah that's that's kind of that's that's what we realized and I also chatting with them and having some just good conversation we had dinner with them and it was just fun and then I get went back home and I'm like oh my god I haven't felt this good in ever since we got to Europe um just I realized after this dinner that for me, the social part is really something that I enjoy in my life and that gives me energy. And when we don't have it, I, I kind of become a, a, I not myself, you know? Yeah, I can, I can kind of pitch in here. And I think I've been, I, I work with many other athletes than, than, than you, you know, in the past uh, 15 years of, of coaching. And I think I've come to the realization that some athletes are very mechanical. You know, they're like, this is my was, this is my training, I do my training, I do my recovery, boom, boom, I show up on race day, I give what I have, and that was that. And they and it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. What you see is what you get, the performance are predictable. Um and that's fine. And some athletes kind of tend towards the and the artist more than the mechanical side, where they 
they can spark magic, but they need a little bit of, of something. There's some magic powder. It's a bit more complicated. You know, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's not that good. It's not just about the training. Like, it's not because they're doing 300 watts on Thursday that they're going to do 300 watts on race day because there, there has to be some, you know, a little bit of a, yeah, spark. I guess of, of magic power, magic powder on top and... I, and, and I feel like you're you're falling towards the side of uh, the artist more than the mechanical. It's true. So, so yes, that's um, yeah. That was that brings us to the morning of Val de Sole. I had had I, I had been thinking about it in my head that I wanted and needed to go home to re refresh and reset, but I was hesitating saying it to Dave because. It's a big commitment, you know, it's like a, he makes the commitment of, to also come here with me. And part of me felt like if I, if I said that I wanted to leave, that I was giving up on him and giving up my part of the commitment. But then eventually I realized that actually maybe if I stayed and just kept being average and kept not trying anything new, maybe that was giving up. And so I finally found the courage to tell him, but that was the morning before the race in Val di Sole. And we're very close, you know, I'm, I'm usually super open to say Dave, to tell Dave things, but also, yeah, I mean, I know how much he puts into it as well. So I wanted, yeah, I didn't want to give up on him. So I cried when I said it, I cried a lot, but it was a big relief for me. And we decided that we would go home. But then I felt so empty during the <laughs> during the Valdisol race because I guess crying before a race is not a great idea. Um, so yeah, as much as I tried, it wasn't great. So I still finished in the top ten; it was fine, but it was not like my best race. So after that, we drove back to Watersley and booked some plane tickets yeah, back home right for away. The next day, and we got home. Turns uh, out Dave was happy that I told him that. <laughs> Turns I mean, out if it's you, always better to be honest. <laughs> if you're if you're a listener of this podcast, by now you probably got the drift that I'm I'm not I really like it in North America. I, I'm not a year I'm not a um I'm not romanticizing my time in Europe. You know, I'm not I'm coming here because we're doing this, but I have zero fucking interest coming over here for vacation or just, you know, being around the races if it wasn't for mags. Like I when she said we're going home, I was like, oh, I'm totally fine with that, you know, and I think we could do well at home. And, and, and truthfully, we've really done better in Europe coming from home. So not staying here. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a great plan. Good idea. And, and, and again, honestly, that was our plan. Originally we were last year, we sold everything we had over here. We, we didn't want to come back for extended period, but I think you got excited when you won all the U S races and then got almost on the podium at the world cup. And so all of a sudden this, this like excitement took over like, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. But I was, well, well, we you know that, but I was not convinced coming over for an extended period was the the best idea. And so when you said that we should return, I'm like, I think there, if there's one way to salvage this season and make amazing results later on, that was the way. You know, the, to me, the way like we probably we could have stayed and just finished, but I, that's not what we're shooting for. We've done that millions of times. We want to have good like spark. Uh, in the races so i think that was the best way forward so i was happy we had a great time at home uh, not to talk about we could talk about thousands of minutes about how fun it was at home but 
we had a great time with some really good training conditions actually um trainer in the basement gym run the fat bike conditions were good so we could do some longer double hours. days and longer rides outside cross-country skiing running family food comfort um it was good it was, it was like we good. went for a reset and we got that um our first christmas in eight years with the family so that was yeah pretty decent so i think it was in the end a good decision and then when i felt ready we uh, booked the tickets to come back we came back then i did <laughs> we did the and race it sucked again yeah then i sucked again even more like because i mean truthfully i hadn't sucked that bad like i've hadn't been doing poorly but i also felt like i wasn't at my full like be able to raise at my full potential but then we came back for hullahem in zonhoven in early january and that was a total disaster so um yeah now yeah that was that was a really hard time but then we came to spain and slowly day by day the mojo's been coming back. It didn't come back magically. Um, it took a, <laughs> took a lot of more tears, more hard conversations, a lot of work on, on myself and on Dave's side. Um, but day by day, the mojo came back and training, I mean, that's the thing. The training has been going well and that's not been the problem. My problem has been six inches above the shoulders. Um, But I think I think things started going better. Um, yeah. And I mean, let's talk about that. Let's stop talking about myself for a while. Uh, let's talk about where we are. So we are in Calp in Spain right now. Awesome space place for riding. Yeah, super nice spot. Uh, Calp is like a highway between the sea and the mountains, basically. Um, And so we're on the seaside of it. So we're by the beach, uh, 15 minutes out of our house. There's like these amazing 20 to 60 minute climbs or maybe 20 to 40 minute climbs, infinite amount of them. It's about 15, 20 degrees and sun pretty much every day. Um, it's also really it's, cool because all the pro teams are here right now. So it's pretty motivating while you're training. You see, I mean, first you see just a lot of cyclist enthusiasts like there's cyclists everywhere uh, not just professional but also a lot of professional teams so it's not rare that you're doing your intervals and you're crisscrossing with some of the best road cyclists in the world or other cyclocross racers so it's it's a fun yeah you know, it's like a motivating environment there's one day it was a little colder and it was raining pretty hard and we did these interval repeats on the one hill out of town And that hill is three kilometer long, so lasts about ten minutes. And I swear to God, there must have been a thousand cyclists doing ups and yeah. downs, the same thing. You know, so you're always passing someone or being passed. And like generally speaking, I think because of all the pro teams that ride three wide with a team car in front and in the back, people are pretty nice to cars. That's true. Um, I feel like this is also a big part of their economy around here. Like this town is pretty dead. If it's not for cycling right now, it would be pretty quiet. But it's pretty it's pretty busy now because of cycling. So you you can ride too wide in all the roads, and the cars are super nice. They'll wait to pass and, and just give you plenty of space. So very nice area. We liked it last year. We spent three weeks here, so we already had a rental. So we figured we'll come here and, and train. And there's a World Cup here that happened yesterday. So yeah, 
So just before we talk about the World Cup, I would actually recommend this place for if you're looking for a nice place to ride uh, at this time of year in Europe and you want to like make a trip out of it. It's actually really cool here in Calp. So, yeah, we've been to a lot of places in Spain, and I think in my, I think this here and Mallorca, uh, to me, are my favorite. Uh, I think they're my, this is they're as accessible. I mean, Mallorca is an island; it's another flight here. Like if it's a it's a layover as well. Like you land somewhere in Europe and then you fly a small airline to here. Um, we've been to Malaga as well, which we both didn't like as much. For the riding um and Girona is super nice but it's also colder it's higher up in altitude and higher up on the map as well so at this time of year they, they got snow i think a couple of days back so so yeah calp highly recommended uh, even if you're not super fit you know if you're north america this is the middle of winter you want to start riding again it's hard to go in the alps or it's hard to go in places where the climbs are steep or the climbs last forever here it's awesome here it's pretty smooth they don't last for long um, at this time of year it's super cheap we have this like three bedroom uh, villa with a pool and an outdoor kitchen and everything for about 100 bucks a night so so very affordable um good food plenty of restaurants yeah nice place Benidorm World Cup. So last year, I had really enjoyed this race. It's um, the course in Benidorm is like, a, I mean, it's pretty incredible what they're able, the course that they're able to create with absolutely nothing. Like it's not a, a park, it's not nothing, but it's actually really fun. They are kind of patching together some bits of roads and a little bit of grass and sand and a bunch of different surfaces, a little bit of trails as well. And it makes for a really fun course. It's very fast. Um, so makes for maybe a little bit of tactical racing. You have your placing is important, but super fun race, um, a race that makes it, there's so many changes and turns and stuff going on that it makes it easy to stay engaged. Um, and also, the fans really love the race. So there's a lot of Spanish fans. And I think I remember talking about it last year for, yeah. the, for the episode of the thing of, of this podcast. But it's like when you get out of Belgium, it, Belgium and Netherlands, it's a whole other vibe for cyclocross. It's not like sad drunk I mean, they're not, not all sad, that. Not let's, sad, let's not but, make it no, no, so no, bad. But like it's not like it's just it's a people are excited you know people are really excited that there's this one big world cup here and there's kids and yeah. and like you always you you, you don't you you never negative and you don't want to be negative and that's 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 you that's fine but how many kids have you seen at belgian races no there's never a kid yeah. you know it's 50 year old males smoking cigarette drinking beer watching the races and they're cheering for the one rider that they like and other than that it doesn't feel like a party really mm -hmm. um when you get out of belgium these races are you know here there's like clubs of kids there's a hundred kids from the same riding club they're all asking for bottles and gloves and autographs and and it's really more upbeat i think the weather plays a lot too you know it's easy to bring your kid out for, exactly. for an event when it's 20 degrees in sun than when it's you know, zero degrees in pissing rain but I just think it's a, a lot more upbeat, way more positive vibes around the event. Everybody's excited. Everybody from Belgium is excited to be here because it's nice and sunny. Yeah, you no, know, it so. was it was cool. And actually, like fans were lining up the whole course, um, so there were people cheering and screaming the whole time for us in the race. So really, really fun vibes. Uh, so that was, I mean, our experience last year, but it was exactly the same this year. 
Uh, and in terms of racing, finally flipped things around. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. My goal getting into the into the race was just to stay engaged. Um, and I wrote more in details about it, like on kind of opening up a bit of my mindset process uh, over the last few weeks. I wrote about it in the newsletter. So for more details, you can read that. But generally, um, yeah, I just wanted to stay engaged because that's what's been lacking um, the last few races. I, I felt like I was stuck in my head a little bit and not able to r just simply race. And so I that was my goal and I had like little cues everywhere around the course to make sure to always remind myself like okay here I do this here I do that and that way I could stay engaged um and so the race like really quickly um actually it started pretty bad I mean I had an okay start but then uh Denise Betsema crashed right in front of me and so uh, I just had time to break and didn't hit her but then I was fully stopped uh, where, as everyone, everyone was going fast. So I, when I got back on the bike, I was pretty far back. And luckily, since my goal, my goal was only to stay engaged, it was still possible to nail my goal. <laughs> and so I started chasing and riding. I was feeling super well, super good. So I, I think I went from like 45th place or whatever and finished 15th in the end. So It was, I was moving up the whole time and feeling good. And yeah, so it was, it just felt, it, I was just so happy to have fun in the race. It was really, really nice to have that feeling back. It's cool also to just see like you are putting out lap times that put you in, in a position that where we think you can race. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, no, that prayer. Oh, you're so you, you're better than you're doing. You're better than you think. And you have no fact to prove it. You're like, well, I don't know. You know, like, yes, like we think you're better, but we don't know. But like the lap times you're putting there would put you in a position to, to play with girls that we think you can play. So, yeah, so that's a, it was a good it was a good upbeat vibe. You, you, It's so nice outside that you actually rode back home. Yeah. Then I rode back home with Lucinda. So that, that was, was nice. And yeah. So we've created momentum and that's cool. Um, so we're going to try to keep building on that. Um, yeah, what's what's coming up next is two more weekends. So there's the Hugerheide World Cup next week. Um, our plan is to stay in Spain all the way until Friday and then we'll fly and do Hugerheide. One thing we didn't mention is we didn't bring back Mia, our dog, for the second part of the trip. Uh, so we miss her, but at the same time, it allows us to travel more efficiently um, because we can just fly in and out to Spain and back to, to Hukerheide. Uh, if we had Mia, we would have to drive. So that's a that that's making things maybe less and less fun because we miss her, but at the same time, much easier for the job that we have to do so. We're going to Hugerhide next weekend, another really really fun race that I love. And after that, last race of the season, World Championships in Tabor in the Czech Republic. So that's what we have coming up. We will make an effort to update you after, after the next weekend um, to make sure we can finish this season, yeah, just properly. Uh, we didn't want to leave unfinished business with this podcast, so we'll keep you updated until until the end. 
until then stay safe have fun enjoy whatever you can do outside you know it's not easy at this time of year uh, for most folks in north america but get off your trainer go for a walk <laughs> take some sun it made a big difference for us i'm sure it will for you too yep uh we do have some snippets so uh i'll leave you on the snippets for uh to finish this episode and what else i was gonna say something else oh yes if you i will put a link to the newsletter i know i've been like pretty brief on um how things have changed why things have changed uh for benidorm but you can read all about it in the newsletter so you can find the link there um i think that's it it's a wrap it's a wrap so thank you for listening um we will be back next week for now here are the snippets from the benidorm world cup All right, so at the, I'm at the anti-doping with Elena. Um, first, you chose to be a volunteer here to help with the anti-doping at the race. What made you want to do that? Oh, uh, just because my son, my nine-year-old uh, son, is a bike uh, rider. He is a cyclist. And he came here to see all this uh, big, big uh, competition. So I wanted to come here and stay with all the stuff and all the things around which uh, that uh, makes me more me makes me be more motivated than also only see the race yeah i mean it's a big deal it looks like for the kids like they seem to love it yeah yeah they love it and this uh, i think that this kind of races are better for them because they can stay more close to the riders and they can stay with you you can sign them and it's exciting for them yeah Okay, now if we talk about, um, because we're in Spain, let's do a bit of cultural learning. So you talked to me, you said I should try before I leave the typical meal from the region, which is a paella, a rice dish. But you said don't take the tourist version. So what, would, what is the difference between the tourist version and the real one? The real one is made with good ingredients, as in every country, and the tourist version is cheap, and it's just for uh, tourists to say, ah, that's cheap, let's take this paella, and it's not good and good quality uh, ingredients. So you, what you see in the plate is the same, it's rice, yellow rice with something, but it's not the same taste. So you have to go to a good restaurant and pay a bit more to have a good paella. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. A, a longtime friend of the podcast, Chris McGovern, who is currently eating lunch, um, and I'm bugging him again with the podcast. Chris, so for, to remind everyone, we talked to Chris in the earlier episodes of this season. Chris is the founder and manager of the Orange Living Cervelo team. Um, Chris, now that we're coming towards the end of the season, what's your... You know how are you are how do you feel about how the team has been going how yeah how everything has been going so far this season and this european trip uh the season's been fantastic of course uh everyone has ups and downs uh i think we wrote out everything pretty well domestically you know we missed the mark on a few things we hit some marks that we weren't expecting to so it's just the way it is uh we decided not to do the, like the traditional christmas period like full gas Uh, after nationals, we took a little break, went home, saw our families, and then came back to Europe, raced a little bit in Belgium and Holland, and then we came down to Spain for a training camp. Uh, and we did the Benidorm World Cup yesterday. The block, the training block was great. Uh, the race was super fun. It's, it's always fun to not race in Belgium and Holland, I think, yeah. especially on the World Cup level. 
because the crowds are different, the courses are different. Um, yeah, I think now we just have to do a little rest and be ready for uh, the next two weekends, Hooger Hyde and Tabor. Yes. Can you talk about that approach? Like, I think that's cool and smart to do it differently and not necessarily come for the Christmas block, which is the traditional way. Normally, people come for that. I guess for various reasons, maybe because school is off for a lot of people, but also it's opportunity to come for a short amount of time and do a lot of racing. But there is something to be said about staying home in that period, train and come back for the later part. Like what, what do you think? Um, yeah, what, what was behind this approach and why? Well, I think it's been, we've done it a lot. I've been doing it with my athletes for a long time. And I think the, tradi the reason it exists is, A, like you said, for school, because the, the kids can manage as well with their school break. I also think Jeff Proctor, who has run the trip, was a school teacher. Oh. So it jived for his work schedule as well. And I think it just became the way. Uh, but after years and years and years of, of athletes, I don't really think it has converted to good results at world championships. Mm -hmm. Is it great exposure? Is it a great learning trip? Is it a great opportunity? Absolutely. I'm not saying anything to the different. Um, but, you know, I think it's probably more important, not more important, but more, there's some value to a rider preparing for world championships. Mm -hmm. There's a value for a rider trying to focus on that. And with the way our schedule is with nationals, Before Christmas, it's really hard to be on for our national series, be on for Pan Ams, be on for nationals, and then get on a plane and fly and race the hardest, yes. you know, 10, 12 days of cross racing you'll ever do, then somehow recover and be good, you know, six weeks later at world championships. Yeah. So we just think about it a little differently, you know, yeah. and, and give it a, give it a shot. Yeah, I like that. And having Spain, like the World Cup in Spain offers an opportunity for like a warm training place, which... Yeah. It's kind of nice. Uh, with, yeah, so I think that's cool. And I've been talking about that with David recently, I think. And, you know, that you have young riders on your team and that you're coaching. And I think there's like a fine balance to be found between getting exposure in Europe, but also not getting discouraged. So finding the between that where you can get exposure, get excited, know what you have to work on, but also not be so trash that you don't ever want to come back. And it's a fine balance and it's tough. Like, especially for women, there's off, there's no younger category. Well, there's the juniors, but if you're under 23, you're 17 and you're racing with the best in the world, it's really difficult. Yeah. So like, I think there's a fine balance and I, I, I think I like your approach in that sense. It's, it's tough, um, you know, because it's like so much, right? Mm -hmm. Some people come over and just thrive. Some people don't. Um, we're trying to do a training block. We're trying to race world cups. We're trying to prep for world championships. And just emotionally, like when you don't race well and you've been doing the training and it's like, and maybe you don't race as well as you want and there's all that, that whole comparison component going on. You do well in the States. You're like, your ego is kind of like, oh, I, oh, what's, you know, all these questions, you know. know. And it's, it's a horrible space. And I think it's a horrible space to be in by yourself, just stewing. And I think that's one thing I really want for our team and, every, uh, and, and anyone You know, I think that's the other cool thing about Spain is all the Americans that come down. Yeah. So we can create this environment. So, like, we can help each other, like, through the highs and the lows mentally, support each other while we're training, support each other while we're racing, you know, dinners together, breakfast together, all that stuff. I think it's a really nice way to create a safe environment. Yeah. And I think the that normally it's just like, no, you need to be like a Belgian. Yeah. But no. And I don't think that's... As, as they would say, yes, <laughs> Yes, no. yes, yes, but no. I'm going to use... Yeah, we'll use that one for that. And I, I just don't think that's how we turn North Americans into, like, good cyclocrossers, yeah. per se. Yeah. 
I like it. Well, thanks for sharing and thanks for providing. So people, just to put you in context, Chris had this house here in Spain, not just for his team, which already is four riders. Yeah. Um, there was what, 12 people? 12, people. <laughs> 12 athletes. So you had a lot of different development athletes from the US here. So yeah, creating that nice vibe where people can support each other, that, that's what it was. So yeah. thanks for doing that and good job. But also, like, let it be known that he picked a room for himself this time. So he had a bed. This is Which the first he deserves. Time, first time this season, you he had a bed. The riders picked the bed, the room. Good. I mean, <laughs> so Chris. Re- recognition right there. Chris, Chris is the guy that will always sleep on the floor, but he deserves a bed. I got a bed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm with Lauren Zerner. Uh, Lauren, how old are you? 20 years old. So still under 23? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it your first time coming to race in Europe? No, this is my the fourth time here. Okay. And what, what did you think of this trip so far? How has it been going for you? I've been loving it here. Yeah. Um, between having some decent races in the curse period and then spending a lot of time in Spain, I'm enjoying the sun here, so I'm having a great time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you told me actually that... Riding here made you want to do longer hours, right? You said, like, it's so fun. I just want to keep going. Yeah, and I've never been one to want to do long hours on the bike. I've always wanted to do short and sweet. Um, but then I'm out here, and I had a three or I had a two-hour ride, and I was, like, at the top of the colder rates at two hours. And I was like, you know what? I don't even mind having to ride all the way back home. Like, this is okay because it's so much fun. That's awesome. Okay. Um, your teammates with Caroline Manny. <laughs> I think you had to do some convincing because she would, I don't know. I remember she was like, she was saying, oh, Lauren wants to go to Europe. I don't know if it's a good idea. Blah, blah, blah. And then what would you say to Caroline? Are you happy you came? What are you learning? Like make her proud. You, I, I know you're already making her proud, but like tell us what you've been learning and what you've been enjoying here. Ooh, I've been learning a lot. Um, I've never raced as much sand as I have here. Um And then also, obviously, the fields are huge compared to America. Um, Caroline, I miss you. And we've been texting back and forth, so she <laughs> she knows. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I've been learning a lot about how to race in fields this big and how to kind of, like, treat it almost differently than it is in America. Yeah. And now, I mean, well, two things. So is Caroline giving you advice sometimes before the races and stuff? Or, like, or, yeah? Yeah, sometimes. She tells me to get out of my head. She's like, you're the master of your body. You tell it what to do, not the other way around. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's something I'm trying to come to terms with, especially yesterday at Benidorm. It was like, we were going, I was going up the hill and I was like, mm, somebody said I could redline for a long time up this. <laughs> and so I was like trying to push it harder and just um, like keep pushing until I felt like throwing up and I did. And <laughs> so. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Lastly, you talked about the big fields, and I think that's one of the challenges being an under-23 woman is you have to race with the elite, which, like, it's really big field. I think yesterday was 65 of us on the start, which is a big big field and big race. Uh, but the worlds are going to be different for you. Uh, as an under-23, it's different fields. So are you going to approach this differently, or, like, are you looking forward to finally have your own category at that race? Yeah, I think it'll kind of be another different shock to the system. I mean, we have the U23 Nationals and Pan Am Championships, but that's different because it's, again, like a smaller North American field. Um, but I think it'll come with its own, like, strengths and weaknesses because 
obviously the field will be a little smaller than racing with elites, but it's the world stage yeah. field. So um, we'll see how it goes, but I'll definitely be talking to Caroline and my coach on how to, how to handle that race. Awesome. Um, so, cool. yeah. Well, thank you and enjoy the rest of the trip. Thank you. <laughs> we are with Scott Funston, who is, I would say, um, my encounter of the two weeks here. I'm very happy I got to meet you. Very interesting guy. You should follow him at what, Fun Scott? Uh, like Fun Scott 2, I think. And it's true he's fun, so it's not even a lie. He's a, he's a cool, very interesting person. So, Scott, you spent a lot of time in Europe this year. And is it, so is it your first, time, your first year elite? Second year elite. Okay. Yes. And you spent a lot of time. What, what have you learned about all this time that you spent in Europe? And how do you feel you've grown from it? I think the biggest thing has been just getting in a routine. I, I really enjoyed the November block I did with Strohmeyer, like just doing the training, doing the food, and like we had some downtime still. But um, yeah, it was. I think it's just been getting super comfy over here. Like last year I had a, a bit of an extended block, but I feel like it was kind of like pieced together. Like, oh, we did this, and then like halfway through Christmas, it was like, oh, we'll go to Spain and then do Besançon. But this year it was like, from you know like the spring it was like all right i'm gonna go in over in november and hit these world cups and then come again in december and stay all the way hopefully through worlds and so like um yeah i think it's been a little different to to not just be kind of guessing and winging it and be like with with purpose almost you know yeah yeah, yeah that's cool and do you feel like it's made you want to come back for more or it discouraged you, you know, because it can go both ways, but it looks like you've been thriving, but I don't know, like inside, how do you feel? And yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I'll definitely be back. Uh, I'm not sure about a November trip next year, uh, based on funds, potential racing on the West Coast is maybe something that like, like if that happens in November, like being from Washington State now in Colorado, I've heard I've heard some rumors, so I'm like optimistic uh, that there'll actually be something going on in the states, you know, besides just Far East Coast races. And uh, no, I, I definitely uh, definitely will be back. I would say I'm not never never fully satisfied. There's been been bright spots and low spots, and honestly, I really just want to put a whole race together. I feel like. Like every race, there's there's been some highlights, and but I've besides Golgum, I haven't put together, and even that had a few few bumps. But it's it's just so hard to put together a complete hour over here, and it would just be super fun one day to like nail the start, have great legs, like making passes, get stuck into the group. But yeah, two more races, it'd be uh, it'd be fun to do really well there. Well, I will come. You're still still very young, so cool. Thank you. Good luck for the worlds and what's coming up. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm.